This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Excited for this episode, as always. <laughs> always. <laughs> yes. And this is an episode that we haven't done for a few months. We had our summer series, took a bit of a break. We've come back in the new year hot with a lot of expert investor yeah. interviews. We've done our bold predictions for 2020, which have been fun. And Reg, now it is time to revisit our Ask Us Anything episode where we take a few questions that have come into us over the last month or so via our Ask Us Anything forum online, via our Facebook page, Instagram, you name it. Email, we, email Facebook messages. There's too many ways. <laughs> <laughs> too many ways to contact Ren. And we answer a couple of the questions that we think will uh, benefit the whole community. Yeah. Now, this year, we're going to take it a little bit differently just because of the volume of questions. And look, don't get us wrong. We love them. But we feel that just trying to churn through as many questions as possible on the podcast probably doesn't give the discussion the the questions deserve. And it also doesn't make for great content. We sort of give the answers short thrift to get through them all. So this year, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to just pick some of the, not the best questions, but some of the most relevant or most interesting things that maybe haven't been asked before to and to go a little bit deeper on those questions, maybe like three to five an episode. Anything else, please go to our Facebook discussion group and ask it there. There's 2,000 people there that are having a conversation every day about stocks and can answer your questions. We'll, we'll jump in as well. So if you're not getting a question answered on the show, please jump over to our discussion group and ask it there because we don't want you guys to feel like we're ignoring you. But we're just trying to make sure that these episodes are creating the best content possible for everyone. Nice, Reg. (laughs) (laughs) Good spiel. Nice. (laughs) So, 
Should we crack into it? Let's do it. Now, before we get into the listener questions, I've got a question for you. Um, Me? Yeah, for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's earnings season. Yes. It is. Uh, I'm not earning a lot. No, no. Twice a year in Australia, all ASX companies, big and small, roll out their results for the market. And this is the time where we get most Australian companies' half-year results. So, for the July to December period of 2019. We've seen a few interesting ones come through already, and we're going to see a lot more come through in the coming weeks. So my question for you is, what are you watching for this earnings season? Good question, Reg. I am looking for what companies are giving as their forward outlook for the remainder of 2020. We came into this year with our sort of opinions on what we thought the economy would be doing, but since then we've had you know, some pretty significant bushfires and now the coronavirus that probably going to have a pretty significant impact on the Australian economy. So I'm going to be looking to see if there's a general consensus, particularly from the likes of our, our retail companies and also those, uh, the likes of Webjet and Flight Center and those tourism industry sort of companies that are probably going to be affected by the coronavirus. What is their outlook on their earnings from their point of view over the next sort of six to 12 months? And in terms of a process question, if you're interested in reading about their outlooks or hearing their forecasts, how are you going to do that? Best way is to either go through the ASX and uh, find their announcements to the market, or you can go directly to their websites. And there's usually an investor center and, and where, where they have uh, all of their investor presentations and that sort of stuff. And generally speaking, all of that outlook is is in there. Another one that I quite like doing, which I, I don't do that often because they're normally on during the day and we both work day jobs, but I would like to do more and more, is actually just dialing into the investor calls. Yeah, They're basically just like a giant conference call where the CEO, the CFO, senior management, and a whole bunch of uh, investment banking analysts are on the call and they the analysts take turns asking the business questions. So it's a good way to get a gauge of what the market's thinking, where they think the interesting points are in the uh, results. And it's also a good chance to hear how the company is guiding. And the good thing about those calls, Reg, and just like announcements on to the market is that they're straight from the horse's mouth. There's no analysis that has gone into those comments from uh, investment, investments <laughs> and investment analysts. <laughs> there may have been some, may have been some analysis from the oh, from the, the company, obviously, <laughs> but not from your investment banks or yeah, yeah. investment no, no, analysts. No spin from the media, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unfiltered. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to make the, your own judgments. Raw, yes. <laughs> How do you find out about the conference calls? When they release a press release with their results, they'll normally say when a call is or they'll it will be on their investor center website. My tactic would be to identify which companies I want to listen into and then check their investor center, check when they're releasing their results, keep an eye on them and then yeah, read where their call is and it is literally just like you're dialing into a conference call. So it's it's pretty easy to do these days and it's definitely something that I want to take more advantage of. Absolutely. We're going to have to quit our day jobs to do that, Reg. (laughs) Yes, yeah, or find very accommodating bosses. All right, Reg, I'll throw the question back to you before we move to our listener questions. What are you looking for in this return season? (laughs) Earnings season? Earnings season. Well, I mean, it is return season. You get a lot of stock movement. So I guess a big one is what you've touched on, which is 
the guidance around bushfires and floods and then also the coronavirus. Now, some of the bushfire effect may be seen in the results because obviously the bushfires were started before December, but most of the effects will really be in the next half's results. So it'll be about guidance more so than what's actually in the numbers that we're seeing. I'm interested in seeing how specific retailers are doing just because I think they're a bit of a barometer for the economy overall. It's interesting to see how much people are spending and where they're spending it. Are they buying things that you might consider more luxury or are they buying more staples? Some of the retailers that have reported so far have reported decently robust results like super cheap auto and stuff like that part of super retail group all showing growth so interesting time to be in retail and to think about you know how much consumers are spending interested in this ongoing wage issue but also are we you know we we saw in america the wage wage pressure really started and the cost of labor has increased just because the market is so hot over there and there's such competition for employees, so the company's willing to pay more. Are we going to see something similar like that in Australia? You know, Australians haven't had a pay rise in a long time. Are we going to sort of follow America and see that? Yeah, so they're, they're some of the things that I'm interested in. Nice, Reg. Well, we've got a mastermind coming up with Julia, which will be all about earnings season. So very much looking forward to hearing her thoughts on uh, what's been going on because she loves reporting season. She does. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to some questions from our community. First has come in from Jasmine Lowry. You want me to ask you, Ren? Sure. Jasmine wants to know about diversification versus compounding. She understands that diversification is a way of lowering risk by spreading out invested money. However, she thinks that it is in competition with the idea of compounding and wants to know, is there a way of balancing the need between diversification but also wanting to make the most from compounding. What are your thoughts, Reg? So my first thought at a very high level is these two things aren't opposed. You can have a diverse portfolio and also enjoy the benefits of compounding. I guess, Jasmine, where your thoughts are coming from are if you've got a really high-performing asset, so let's say the S&P 500 ETF for the last decade, because it's earning such great returns every year that if you had all your money in that, you would see much better returns because all of that money would be earning the great returns year after year and would be compounding on itself. So the returns you make in year one form the baseline for year two, and then the, the returns grow exponentially that way. If we use a, an example and we say you know you'd, you have a third of your money in an S&P 500 ETF, a third of your money in property, and a third of your money in bonds if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if your
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So let's say all of those asset classes, those three asset classes that I just mentioned, are growing at different rates. The fact that they're all consistently growing year after year means that they are all compounding. They're all growing and you're benefiting from that. It's just they're compounding at different rates. So you can have a diverse portfolio and have your portfolio compound at the same time. So don't don't think that they're, you know, they're in competition with each other. Nice. Nothing to add from me, Ren. I yeah. think the main point there is to your to your point, they're not mutually exclusive, so you can benefit from both. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, look, in terms of trying to get the highest rate of return in terms of your you're seeing your money compound, then it's just a question about how you're managing your risk, what's your personal circumstances, how much money are you willing to lose, are you going to need money anytime soon. So they're, they're all things that we really can't speculate on because we don't know you and even if we did, we can't give advice. But yeah, then it just becomes a question of how you want to allocate your money and how you balance that idea of reducing your risk with the idea of getting the highest potential returns and then making that decision. Nice. Okay, second question, and I think we're gonna what we're gonna do here is amalgamate a bunch of questions in the spirit of reducing the number of questions and increasing the length of the answers. Yeah, we've got a bunch of questions around micro investing apps. Yeah, for people unfamiliar, they are sort of technology enabled investing platforms that allow people to invest quite small amounts of money. So traditionally, you had to sort of invest in increments of at least five hundred bucks. But with these micro-investing apps, you can invest in cents. Cents, yeah. Um, and so the big names in Australia that people may be familiar with are Comsex Pocket app, Spaceships Voyager app, Raze, which uh, was formerly known as Acorns. Any other big ones that I'm forgetting? No, I think some banks now uh, you can micro-invest into your super through your banking app, through the roundup principle where you tap your card and it'll take the uh, cents to the nearest dollar and round that up. But otherwise, those three are the the big hitters in in Australia at the moment. I think they're the ones we definitely get the most questions on. Yeah. So I guess I'll ask the question in two parts to sort of sum up the majority of them. I guess the first one is how do you think about these micro-investing apps in your overall you know, wealth building strategy. And then the second one is how do you make a decision between them all? How do I personally think about them from a wealth building strategy is I don't really consider them any <laughs> anymore. I used to, I still have rays ticking over. So that is something that I've got going in the background. 
I think every time I hit a few grand in there, I'll just move it straight into the stocks. But I do not use it anymore as a way of uh, long-term building wealth. To give you an example, Raise is an app that gives you exposure to the ASX, international shares, bonds, cash, a varied portfolio or a diversified portfolio. You get to choose between sort of an aggressive growth or a balanced portfolio. So it's a good way to get started in the market and understand about, you know, diversification, some of the asset classes you can invest in. You can have a look at how they structure their portfolios. It's a cheap way in terms of, uh, I guess, the amount of money you have to put in. But in terms of building long-term wealth, it's not something that I think about at the moment. Or well, I'm not using it as a tool to build long, long-term long wealth. So, you said there that you did have raise. Yeah. So, I guess to that second question around for people that are interested in it, how do they go about choosing between them all? Maybe if we start with you personally, why did you choose Raise over the other ones? Because it was the first to market in Australia from memory. Yeah, okay. And so and you're I, just you're an early adopter. Absolutely yeah. right. Oh, <laughs> I'm Mr. Technology. Um, <laughs> so I started when it was called Acorns, and that was a number of years ago. And then Spaceship came on the market, and they came on with their Voyager, and then Pocket Cast. Is it Comcast? No, no, no. Pocket Cast is that podcast app. <laughs> yeah, um, what's it called? Comsec Pocket. Comsec Pocket. <laughs> I'm not going to use Comsec's app. No need. So, yeah, it was basically because they were first to market. But the way I would think about it, Reg, is firstly, I'd be looking at their fees. So, Rays have a monthly fee of $1.25 per month. So, you need to think about that as almost your brokerage fee. If you're investing only you know, 10 bucks a month, uh, you're paying $1.50 on top of that. Voyager, they don't have any fees for accounts under $5,000 and then accounts over 5000 they have a 0.05% fee. And then the Comsec Pocket app, they just charge $2 brokerage per trade. So varying fees, you need to consider things like how often you would be investing in them, what amount of money you would be investing and work out really as a percentage what brokerage you'd be paying. Otherwise, you'd be looking at what you can be investing in. I know Comsec Pocket is just about ETFs at this stage, whereas Voyager and Raise both uh, give you access to international markets and, as I said, a number of different asset classes. Yeah, yeah. So, I I like that. There's probably one more criteria I would add. So, you started with the fees. The second is investment options. The third one is just around savings functionality. So I think if we if we if we think about what these apps are really great for it's about automating saving habits it's about for people who are pretty shocking savers like yourself <laughs> that's why I don't use it anymore, Rich. My savings is well under control. No, Bryce has spreadsheets on spreadsheets on spreadsheets <laughs> to manage his saving. But for people who aren't great savers, this is an unreal tool to just automate that process and to to make it something that you don't have to consciously do. And so for that, then it's about what app works for your, you know, your savings habits. Is it that you I'm not too familiar with all the apps. I actually don't use any of them personally, but some might be, you know, they take a weekly amount direct debit from your bank account. That might work for some people. Uh, Razor's concept is about round, rounding up transactions, so that might work for some. So I, I think the third criteria is which app will best work with your, you know, money habits and how you can, you know, get that saving stuff down pat. Some people probably have balances of a million dollars in these apps, but I think the majority of people 
would probably be in your boat, Bryce, and get to a set amount and then decide to take it out of this platform and put it in something else, which is neither right nor wrong. It's just I imagine that's what a lot of people do. If people have any other questions around micro-investing, I know we've plugged the discussion group at the front of this episode, but I'm going to do it again here because there's plenty of people on in the discussion group that have asked these questions and used these products. So if you want to, if you want more detail or if you want to ask people who've actually used the products to talk to it, the discussion group's where you want to go. Nice. So the next question is from Michael and Michael is a, a tad stumped. He understands how normal share prices are affected by everyday activity on the markets through supply and demand, but wants to know what affects the share price of an ETF, especially one that is just tracking an index. This is something that we have answered on previous episodes, but of course, if you haven't gone back to listen, thought it'd be a good idea just to revisit this. And so, yeah, Michael wants to know if the ASX 200 does poorly, would that lower the price of the relevant ETF which it's tracking, or is the ETF dependent on people buying and selling the ETF in anticipation of drops or rises in the index? Yeah, so it's a good question. It's definitely something that stumped me for a long time as well. We, we recently did an interview with Magellan's Emma Kirk, who explained some of this. So I definitely think if our explanation isn't clear, which it may not be, definitely listen to our interview with Emma because she explains it well. She analogizes to food, definitely helps people conceptualize it. So that's a good one to listen to. But the long and the short of it is there's a set number of shares for a normal company and that, that price is set by supply and demand and where people who are selling the share hit a price where they're willing to sell and people who are buying the shares hit a price where they're willing to buy, that that sets the price. With ETFs, it's a little bit different. And what the ETF provider does, so your Vanguard, your BlackRock, your beta shares, whoever it is, what they actually do is change the amount of shares that are on issue in that ETF to make sure that the price tracks the underlying index. So when you're selling a when you're selling your shares of a company to a buyer, you can't sell it until the buyer it hits a price that the buyer is willing to buy it at. But with an ETF, if you're selling your units of an ETF, they sell and then the ETF market maker essentially destroys those units. And then if someone else on the other side is buying that ETF, they create more ETF units. So rather than price being set by supply and demand, the ETF provider is essentially a market maker and they change the amount of supply of the ETF that's available to meet the demand that's there. And so that way it can track the index and it doesn't deviate you know, based on if there's a surplus of buyers or a surplus of sellers. Now, that's how it should work in theory. There have been times when ETFs have deviated, but in theory and in practice, 99% of the time, that's how the ETF price tracks the index. And the price itself in some ETFs as well is driven by the value of the underlying companies or the net asset value. So if you have a look at some of the major ETF providers or market makers, such as BetaShares, you can go on and it'll show you the current price, but also the net assets under value. And they should generally reflect each other fairly well. So for example, we'll take Beta Shares Diversified High Growth ETF. The last trade price was $26.59 and the, the net asset value per unit 
as of the 19th of Feb was 26.52. So you can see there how, how closely matched they are. And that's because the, the value of the ETF, the underlying companies should reflect the price. Nice one. All right. All right. So we introduced a segment, I guess, on the last uh, Ask Us Anything before Christmas. So we're going to continue it. And that is the discussion group question of the month. So as you can definitely hear through this episode, we're encouraging people to go to the discussion group. So we're going to pick a question from the discussion group every month and answer it here. So the question is, uh, what finance podcasts other than Equity Mates and Get Started Investing are you listening to at the moment? I ebb and flow with my list of podcasts, Reg. I know you have uh, a huge curated <laughs> list, but I, st- I listen to uh, Invest Like the Best. Patrick O'Shaughnessy, very good podcast. I used to listen to TIP or the Investors Podcast, but I've kind of uh, gone off them a bit uh, recently. I dabble in Planet Money, My Millennial Money. I have a, a brief listen to every now and then. Those are probably my main ones. A bit of Motley Fool, of course, but I'm more interested in the news side of things. So yeah, that's probably it for me. What about you? Nice. So I think I'm a bit the same with you. Like we we started listening to the investors podcast like they, mm, they're yeah. the ogs in this space yeah. um but i don't listen to them as much anymore invest like the best is a big one for me some other ones out of the states animal spirits with michael and ben that's a that's a good one and i don't mind some other ones in the u.s like the meb faber show and capital allocators with uh ted saiz uh, apologies i've probably got his name wrong yeah he's the guy that made that million dollar bet with warren buffett Yes. Yeah, yeah. That he lost, that he thought hedge funds would outperform the index and he lost and had to pay a million bucks to Buffett's charity of choice. Look, there's there's a number in Australia as well and there's a few that we've actually interviewed on this podcast. Richard's so, Report. Yeah, Richard's Reports are scaling up. Ed Cowan, yeah. that interview is coming out soon. The Australian Finance Podcast yeah. with Owen and Kate. Juddy's one, uh, Talk Your Book. Yeah. But look, I think we, we shouldn't list them all because we'll forget some, but- yeah, there's, there's heaps of good finance content out there. Similar to you, I also reach a natural limit in terms of the amount of finance-specific stuff I can listen to, but it's also that I want to listen to. And I think the beauty of investing and the beauty of finance is that it's not one topic area. It's a it's a broad topic that touches everything. And you know, you can as much as being good at finance is about understanding the mechanics of finance and, you know, company metrics and when reporting season is and how to get on an analyst call and all that stuff. It's also just about understanding like broader things that are happening in the world and what trends are going on. And, you know, you can make as much money investing, being an expert in coronavirus than you can be being an expert in pharmaceutical stocks. And I think part of what I try and do with my podcast listening is to expand it and to listen to a lot of news shows and interview shows on topics that I'm not particularly intimately familiar with Mm. because I think it's a really good way that people can learn about things in a, you know, relatively condensed format that's easy to digest. It's not like you have to read a book on the subject. You can listen to an hour interview and start to get some key concepts. So yeah, there's a bunch of stuff there that I enjoy listening to as well. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, Reg. There is no sort of excuses to 
not get, getting out there and, and te- trying to teach yourself some of this stuff because so much free content. We love podcasts. We've actually got a, some exciting stuff in the pipeline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which we won't, won't reveal now, but uh, stay tuned. But uh, that brings us to the end of Ask Us Anything. As we said at the start of the show, if you would like us to address a question for you on, on one of the shows, hit us up at our forum, equitymates.com forward slash ask us anything. Yeah. Or go to the discussion group. group. Yeah. I mean, like the forum's good, but the you'll ask a question on the forum and you may not get that much engagement because people are generally just going there to ask their questions. The discussion group, your question will definitely get more engagement. Absolutely. Another thing we'd like to ask is to please rate and review our show. It helps us a lot considering, you know, charts are important for exposure and to keep this show running. And also, if you have just joined us, welcome. We suggest going over and listening to our, our first uh, mini-series, standalone mini-series, which is Get Started Investing. It's a 12-part series about the fundamentals that you need to feel confident to get started on your investing journey and then come back and join us on this show and you'll have probably a bit better of an understanding of what we're talking about. So I guess that's a wrap, Ren, and we'll catch up next week. I know you just said they're our first mini-series. Yes, te- that- teaser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> teaser. All right. <laughs> well, on that teasing note, we'll uh, call it a day. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.